Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wizard Apprentice Podcast. I'm your host, Seth, and welcome to today's episode of DM Insight, where we do deep dives into questions for DMs to help you improve your game. Question of the day is, how can I improve how I describe my NPCs and their attacks in my D&D campaign? But first, let me tell you about what you're listening to. The Wizard Apprentice Podcast is designed for players and DMs alike to get short, informational, and purposeful talks to help make D&D more enjoyable and smooth. With talks from world building, character creation, practical guides on monsters, and much more, we are dedicated to improving your game. So again, the question of the day is, how can I improve how I describe my NPCs and their attacks in my D&D campaign? It can be difficult to describe stuff in D&D. It is a theater of the mind game. So everything's happening up, up, up here in your head, in your noggin. And there aren't a whole lot of guides as to what things look like. Of course, there's... There's photos of monsters in the monster manual, <laughs> and we know what taverns look like. We know what cities look like in, in, in fantasy because we have tons of media that depicts them. But what about the homebrew monster or the attack from an orc or or anything? Or what does a spell look like? Some spells don't necessarily have descriptions. If I ask you, hey, what does healing word look like? Uh, I don't know. It's it's not, if if there is a description, it's not memorable enough to be able to recall upon in the thick of it. And so today we're breaking down characters, NPCs, and creatures, and how they attack. There's a lot of things I could talk about, and so it, it, to to kind of preserve on time, I'm only going to deal and t- break down creatures, NPCs, and their attacks and how you would describe them because there is. Uh, there's so much to talk about. There's just so much, and it's all good conversation, right? Um, some parties, it's okay to have something very small and very simple for a description. The orc swings its axe and deals nine damage to you. That's great. That's awesome. But there's a lot of potential that is untapped there that could be um, explored as we as we dive into it. So let's dive in. Uh, but disclaimer, because it is theater of the mind, it is impossible to have your players see exactly what you see. It, it cannot be done. Every player at your table is going to think the tavern looks a little bit different. There will be a little bit of a different feature for each of them in the tavern. The chandelier that you describe in the ballroom will look just a little bit different to each of them. And that's okay. That's totally fine. And we should never, it shouldn't be our goal to have everyone be on the same page like every, everyone, everyone should be on the same page with, when it comes to what they're looking at. Like, okay, I understand what I'm looking at, but it shouldn't be our expectation to have every player understand exactly what our NPCs look like or exactly what the creature looks like. That's why it's theater of the mind because we can't, it, there's nothing in front of us to really depict that. Of course, there's miniatures and there's photos you can have and there's paintings and stuff you can draw. But for most d tables, they don't have a ton of that. The theater of the mind is totally fine. The reason we describe things is to, one, make sure all of our characters understand what they're looking at, and two, to make the world feel rich, lived in, and interesting. That's all that we should be looking for when we describe things. We shouldn't be thinking, how can I make sure my players see the exact vision that I'm seeing? If your vision's cool, they're going to think it's cool. (laughs) It doesn't have to be perfectly described. I don't have to perfectly describe how... um, how the orc tribe looks to someone. I could just say what in my head it looks like and they're going to get their own depiction of it in their head and as long as they understand what's in the room, they don't matter to me. It don't matter to me at all. So let's go ahead and let's break down 
uh, let's break down this thing. Let's go ahead and dive on in. We're going to start with describing characters and creatures. NPCs and describing them can be a really fun and challenging thing to do whenever you're describing them. Um, here's the here's the basics of describing a creature uh, or an NPC. We're going to give three types of roles to your NPCs. So there's three different types of roles you want to assign to an NPC to kind of see how much you should really deepen the uh, descriptions you're giving them. There's non-essential NPCs, essential NPCs, and creatures you're going to fight, or NPCs you're going to be fighting, or the party's going to be fighting with. Um, we're going to start with non-essential NPCs. This NPC is not essential to the campaign. That means that if this guard or this tavern goer or this crowd of spectators in a game, if they didn't exist, your campaign would still go on. Um, and ultimately, it, the campaign should still go on if any any of your creatures or any of your NPCs die because it's about the party, not about them, right? So uh, the NPC is not essential to the campaign. Um, that means a brief general description will work just fine for them. It doesn't have to be anything super in-depth and deep. Let's take a town guard, for example. The party needs to ask him a question about where a location is, and they go up to the they go up to this guard. I would describe what the guard's wearing, any key features like weapons or things that would define them against another guard, and what they're doing as the party approaches. I would say, you see the guard leaning against the wall, chainmail armor and a spear over his back. He turns over to you and speaks with you. It's not that's not bad. That's super simple. The party understands what they're looking at. Okay, this guy's wearing armor and he has and he has a spear on his back and he turns and he's willing to speak with us. Great. Let's do it. It doesn't have to be super tough, super deep or super complicated whenever we're doing that. That's just fine. An essential NPC, however, is pivotal to the campaign or it is very important to the campaign. And thusly, since the party's going to be interacting with them so much more, we want to give a little bit more investment into what they look like. Reason being is because the party's looking at them more often. Um, and also, it, it just it can feel much more lived in whenever the person that the party interacts with all the time, they can they can see and really envision their face. Or they can really they really get the mannerisms of this person. It doesn't matter if the guard had little to no mannerisms because they're never going to see that guard again. But to the villain of the campaign, oh, the mannerisms are so important because it just it makes you want to hate him all the more. The way that he treats his servants, or the way that he does this, or the way the way that he just disregards what the party is saying as he talks to them, as he turns his head and he just kind of walks around and it seems like he doesn't care at all. How dare he? But it means that the party is going to feel the, the gravity of this person's personality and also what they look like. So um, let's take someone that the party is going to be meeting more often, this essential NPC. Um, I'm going to take a blacksmith known as Aaron Sparrowhawk. My players and my campaigns love him. I talk about him all the time on this campaign in this, in this podcast because he's awesome. He was the first NPC I ever created. Um, when I first described him in my first campaign ever, the party's like, I need to go to blacksmith. They walked in and I said, yeah, so this guy, his name's Aaron, uh, and he says, hey, what can I do for you? That's all I had, and that was fine, but now that he's much more essential in this campaign and stuff like that, I gave him a little bit more of a description. We're going to take the similar things from the non-essential NPCs, the what they're wearing, key features, and what they're doing as the party approaches, but we're just going to think a little bit more on it. So, Aaron Sparrowhawk, he has long and tied back black hair. He has a well-kept beard and he has a red bandana over his forehead. 
Um, he's well framed, so he's he's rather built from metalworking, and he he normally wears a white t-shirt and he has a black apron on, and he has a tool belt around his hips that has a myriad of different tools and materials for his work. And I don't have to really go into too much more of a description. I could say he's he has a I, I I do have a description. He has a bit of a bigger nose, and it's kind of crooked. It looks like he broke it when he was younger, um, and he has a scar, a burn scar on his neck from something, um, stuff like that. That's fine. The bandana is the most defining feature of him because I talk about the red bandana and how it's covered in sweat and soot from working in working in the with the anvil. So that's all I really need for describing him. Um, even though he's an essential NPC, um, I would describe a villain a little bit more deeper. Um, just because also if the party gets into combat with them, I want to make sure that they understand what they're getting themselves into, right? Um, but for an, an important NPC, it doesn't have to be much more than that, right? Um, that's a lot more and a lot more filled out than our guard, for example. Um, but it doesn't have to be tough. We just have to put a little bit more eff effort in describing them. The third type is a creature or NPC your party is going to fight. Um, depending on the intensity of the fight and the, the importance of this fight, I will deepen the descriptions I'm giving them. So again, the party is going to be spending the next four sessions hunting this guy down yeah i'll give him a little bit more of a description than the guard that ambushes the party right doesn't have to that that's not needed i don't need to give a really deep description of that that's fine so the uh here's some things that uh here are some things i'm looking for whenever it comes to describing a creature that the party's going to fight i'm thinking the size and shape of the creature so generally what does this creature look like right um if it looks acts um, and talks like a hobgoblin, it's probably a hobgoblin. But if it looks like a displacer beast and acts like a displacer beast, it's probably a displacer beast. Um, so the size and shape of the creature, the gear and equipment on the creature that it will probably use during combat, so the armor it's wearing, any special items it has, a wand, a staff, a sword or shield, whatever. Um, I'm talking about defining features, um, things that set it apart um, that would make it special. Um, so, for example, maybe there's a group of orcs, but one of the orcs is bigger and has a ton of bones, um, like bone armor on its chest. Okay, that one looks a little bit more important. Maybe we'll have to focus on that one. And also, any if any of the senses of the characters are affected by this thing's presence. Uh, something smells bad, or if they can hear some uh, some chattering of some whispers of some ghost or something, whatever. Um, and, of course, it's mannerisms as the party approaches. As it sees the party, how is it going to react? Does it just take its sword and stand there waiting? Or does it scream and charge in with its axe? Um, depending on the response, it'll give the party a different... It'll make, the, it'll make it feel diverse compared to other um, creatures the party has fought in the past. I'm going to take one of my favorite homebrew creatures, a Grave Titan. Normally, it is a... It's a hill giant, and hill giants aren't very smart, and they like to eat a lot. And... Um, I use a Grave Titan uh, whenever it has eaten a ton of zombies. It saw a ton of zombies, it ate them, and then the zombies ate its guts, and then it turned into a zombie. So here's how I would describe a a uh, Grave Titan. Grave Titans are very strong also, so I want to make that very clear. I'm giving a lot more descriptions to this because it's a stronger creature. If it were just a goblin, I'd say this green, this green small creature with a dagger in its one hand and a, and a crossbow in the other, it runs towards you and it snarls at you, leaping to attack. That's it. But for the Grave Titan, here's what I would say. Lumbering and swaying as it walks, a smell, putrid and ugly, is scented from hundreds of feet away. The groaning of zombies can be heard close by as well. The party looks into view, seeing a massive humanoid, green skin, blistered and bloated, and its stomach opened up. 
clamoring undead stuck at the exit of his stomach. No weapon in reach, but it's un- but undead in its stomach. It finds the party and roars, taking the undead from its stomach and spearing it towards the party. Roll initiative. That's that's tight. That's super tight. That's really cool. Um, I gave a description of what it was doing. It was lumbering and swaying. It was walking around. It, I gave a description of what it looked like and the equipment it had. It had no equipment on it. It was just gonna it's gonna punch them. It's gonna bite them. It's gonna try and eat them. But also. A ton of undead in its stomach. That's really defining. That's really cool. The smells probably come from there. But also it means that, hey, he just took one out of its stomach and he threw it at the party. Oh, this is going to be crazy. going to be really cool. So that's a dope and awesome boss fight. The average, the average D&D game doesn't need that for every creature. For a guard that's fighting the party, I'd say what they're wearing and what they're wielding. Not much more. Unless it's pivotal that every creature has a separate weapon and the party needs to know that i'm most of the time going to just kind of keep to it like hey you guys are fighting orcs the orc stat block has great axes i'm not going to give them a whole lot more they don't need it uh, I, I can diversify by oh this guy has a sledgehammer but i'm just going to act like it's a great axe um but most orcs want to use a great axe anyways so i'm not going to really spend a whole lot of time diversifying how i am describing that because it doesn't doesn't merit as much right now, with that out of the way, we talked about non-essential NPCs, essential NPCs, and creatures that the party is fighting. Let's talk about the attacks that enemies are going to be making. Whenever I started playing D&D, I had a hard time describing attacks. Just because it. whenever you're a DM and you're describing stuff and you're getting in the thick of it and combat is flowing, you want to keep it flowing. So don't take any of this and slow down your game with what I'm about to say. You don't want to slow down your game. If you take too long to describe too many creatures or you take too long to describe an attack that only deals 12 damage, you're slowing down the game. It doesn't need to be that deep. Uh, I'm going to talk about ways that you can understand and prep for description beforehand, before before initiatives ever rolled. But for the average combat encounter, you don't need to spend a whole ton of time describing your attacks just brief intricate and cool descriptors for them is going to work just fine so let's talk about it let's talk about ways we can spice up our attacks first you want to do three things and understand how this creature works and how this creature attacks one you want to figure out the type of damage their attacks deal two you want to figure out the technique that they use to deal the damage and three you want to think about the severity of the attacks and how much they would hurt so these three factors uh, can be determined before initiative is ever rolled. Looking at a creature's stat block, it's easy to tell what type of damage a creature deals and how they deal it by looking at the weapon that they're wielding. So for example, I love using orcs. Orcs are my favorite creature of all time. They're so, so cool. Um, so orcs, they use a great axe. I look at the I look at the description of the great axe. It does slashing damage. That's great. I look at the damage it does, 1d12 plus their strength modifier. That's a decent bit of damage. That's going to hurt if it hits. <laughs> if it hits and it rolls high, it's going to deal quite a bit of damage. Um, 1d4 plus 1 piercing damage from a dagger isn't very bad, but 4d6 piercing damage plus 5 from a ancient predator that bites into the shoulder of a creature, that's going to hurt a lot more. So you need to make sure how you're describing these attacks uh, kind of aligns with the severity of the damage, the type of damage it deals, and the technique that they're using. By technique, I'm also talking about the weapon, but also the tactic and the 
in the way that they're they're using that weapon. So, for example, uh, we'll we'll break we'll break that down in a second. But um, I'm just going to use a really quick example: a dagger from a goblin versus a rapier from a guard. The dagger from the goblin is he's kind of eh. yeah he's kind of just really quickly thrusting it, and he's just trying to get he's just trying to get hits off. But the guard is a lot more well-trained. And so he's going to actually think, okay, I'm waiting for an opening. I'm waiting for an opening. There it is. And I'm going to thrust my weapon and try and take them out. So after determining these three things, you can diversify the description of an attack. You want to think the type of damage it does and think of ways to describe that type of damage. So for example, I mean, there's so many types of damage in d and I'm not going to be going over all of them. I'm going to talk about the most common ones, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Um, but really all you need to do is find synonyms for that type of damage and what it would do. So for example, fire damage, fire is going to burn you synonyms for burned, <laughs> scorched, um, like it's scorched, uh, uh, you're caught on fire, melting stuff like that. The fire damage melts away at your armor. That's, that's, that's great. That works so much better than saying you take 14 fire damage, <laughs> right? Also, while I'm talking about bludgeoning, piercing, and slash damage, I'm going to talk about the severity of it. So, for example, uh, we'll, just, we'll dive on in. Let's do it. So, bludgeoning damage. Bludgeoning damage is uh, a hammer. It's a club. It's a fist. It's not, it's not cutting, and it's not, it's not stabbing, but it is instead getting hit with something. If I take a chair and hit it over your head, that's bludgeoning damage. So, from low severity to high severity, we have smacked. You get smacked in the face with this club. <laughs> that that signifies, okay, that stung a little bit, but I'm okay. Slammed. This this creature slams it, its club into your face. Oh, that's, that hurt a little bit more. Rammed. It rams the club into your face. It smashes or crushes the club into your face. As I'm saying those words, smacked, slammed, rammed, cr- smashed, and crushed, uh, the severity and how much I, how much it feels like it hurts goes up. Um, so I'm not going to say like, so let's take a, let's take this grave Titan, right? It's attacks deal a lot of damage. Let's take its, let's take its fist attack. I don't, I don't remember exactly how much damage it does. I think four D six plus seven for its strength modifier. So it does all that damage and it walks over and I'm not going to say it smacks you with it. I'm going to say it crushes, it crushes you with it. It's ring. It roars, it raises up its fist and does 24 damage in one attack, smashing uh, against your armor. That hurts instead of saying smacked, right? Slashing. Slashing, you are cut. You are slashed. You are carved. You are ripped open. So those are descriptions for for being for being nicked or like, oh, oh, I got a little scrape. I got scraped. Or I got slashed. Oh, it slashed my arm. Or it scraped my arm. You know? Those are two wildly different things. So the severity of the attack should should direct how you describe it. Uh, I, I think we're all catching the um, the pattern here, right? So cut, it's something light, nothing too bad. Sl- ripped open, oh, dude, I am like, <laughs> that great axe tore a hole through my character's stomach. Yeah, no, no good. Piercing damage, nicked. There's a little nick, nothing too bad. Pierced, okay, that hurt. Speared, ooh, that's not good. I don't want to, you don't want to get speared. Gored. I got gored. I, I have been turned into a kebab, <laughs> right? So the, the way that you describe these attacks um, should be dictated by how much damage it does and the type of damage. 
For elemental damage, again, there's so many of them. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm just going to really quickly. Lightning, uh, you get zapped, electrocuted, electrified, or disintegrated from the lightning damage, right? Or necrotic damage, you're, you start to mold. You feel like you're getting eaten away. You're rotting. You're dilapidating. Um, I'm just looking up descriptions for what it would feel like. <laughs> uh, what is a description or what is a synonym for being zapped, for being electrocuted? Um, I just use synonyms for that. Put them in my thing. So all that being said, what, I, what I'm doing right before I start combat, right before I start combat, I'm looking at, okay, what kind of weapon does this guy do? What kind of damage is a deal? Um, how is he gonna how is he gonna wield this weapon and how bad will this hurt if it hits the wizard? So those that that kind of talks about those things. Let's talk about more about the tactic and the technique that they use. There's two steps. One is the weapon or tool they use, and then the second one is the mannerisms of the creature. A creature who uses a rapier, who is intelligent and uses strategy, will meticulously take apart their opponent using fast thrusting attacks and slicing maneuvers. While an ogre who has a club and has low intelligence is ferocious and fervently swinging their their club against the party, trying to smash and obliterate them as they swing. Those are two wildly different descriptions of how they fight, right? So, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a fight between a hobgoblin uh, captain and an orc war chief, and the two of them are gonna go head to head. I'm going to talk about what they're wielding, how they're wielding it, and we're going to talk about the type of damage it's doing, and we're going to look at the descriptions that we're using for both. So, the war chief uses a great axe. The orc war chief uses a great axe. He is strong and wild, preferring to carve open enemies with wild swings, while the hobgoblin captain uses precise attacks with his longsword to efficiently take down foes. And they begin to brawl. The orc raises his great axe and throws wild swings at the captain. One is easily dodged and the other barely scraping by and cuts the cheek of the captain. If I had said carved, it would have felt like it did a lot more damage. But it was only a little bit. It only did five damage to the hobgoblin captain. So he only gets cut across his cheek. The hobgoblin goes and with effective strikes against the orc, he puts two slashes into the chest of the orc. While the cuts are deep, the orc is tough and bellows in a violent laughter before going at it again. The fight's intense. It feels intense. The orc, because of his ferocious swinging, the hobgoblin feels like he got lucky because he only got nicked, right? It's low damage. Um, but because the hobgoblin is efficient and the orc is much less armored, he's able to put more cuts into him. The frequency versus the um, versus how like the, the severity of it, right? Let's look, let's take a look at it um, as if they were in the middle of the fight. The orc is bloodied by a dozen scrapes, a dozen slashes, a dozen cuts. He's still holding on, but he's weaker now. He still grips his great axe, although his hands are cut open. So that there's a lot of attacks have hit him. What about the hobgoblin? The armor of the hobgoblin is torn open. A few, but dangerously deep slashes have made their way through the armor of the captain. He stands tall, but his strength is waning. Because of the way I described those attacks, because of the way I described um, the um, amount of attacks, uh, the volume of attacks versus the severity of the attacks, it feels completely different. But they're using the same type of damage. They're both using slashing damage. The orc is using a great axe that deals slashing damage, and the cob goblin is using a sword that uses slashing damage. So in some games, 
th that would feel like they're just identically just hitting each other back and forth. Just the orc does a little bit more damage and the hobgoblin hits a little bit more often. That's what it would feel like if we weren't describing it with all that much intensity. And we don't have to. Uh, just uh, Again, my encouragement to you is this, is that you don't have to use any of this. But if you want to use it, I think that two things will happen. One, it will feel like your campaign is just a little bit richer. And it feels like it, there's a little bit more care put into it. Not saying that a campaign without it doesn't have any care into it, but it'll just it'll feel that way because the party will f like it'll it'll feel like there's effects um, and there's more weight to the attacks and the people that the party interacts with. And also, it's just really freaking cool, man. I love seeing the descriptions of a spell of how people describe spells differently, right? So I had one guy, he was playing a wizard, and he's just regular fireball. I'm just casting a spell using using a summoning rune, and boom, this large explosion happens. I had another player describe it as boiling water. This bubbling explosion of hot water boils and flies over in this radius, and the people are coated in this bubbling hot water, and they scream and cry out. That's what the heck, dude? That's insane. If he had just described it as a regular fireball, the combat would have still gone on. It still would have done a ton of damage. But because he described it that way, it was ridiculous. And we all were like, oh, that's so awesome. That's so cool. Um, so, again, my encouragement to you is this, is that you can put a little bit more effort in the way that you describe your games. And I think your game will reap the benefits from that. But with that out of the way, that is all that we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of DM Insight on the Wizard Apprentice Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Wizard Apprentice Podcast. We post often. We're giving updates. We have a schedule when we're releasing. And also we have our homebrew stat blocks Google document that you can use for your DM. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you guys next time.